I think he's like one of their hitting instructors and Euclid is like an infield defense instructor or something. I can just imagine Manny being a you know Manny being a hitting instructor would be kind of like Michael Jordan being a basketball coach. Yeah. I mean, you know, they always say that like the greatest savants are like the absolute worst coaches oh, yeah. because they're just like, I mean, why can't you do what I do? <laughs> It's like, I mean, I just went out there, you know, woke, Manny's like, I just woke up at 3 o'clock every day, went to the ballpark, and hit 3.30. Yes. What's your excuse? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you, you're, you're taking all this extra batting practice. What's your excuse? Would you like to buy this grill from me? <laughs> so, uh, I need some money, though. So. Oh, that's but, still... They said about, like, Magic Johnson back in the day, they were like, you know, this is why Magic's a terrible coach, because all Magic can say is, well, I mean, just do it like I would do it. It's like, but dude, you're fucking Magic Johnson. You're one of the five best basketball players ever. We can't just do it like you did it. And that's that's why it's so funny to hear like Jordan going to like Bobcats or I guess now Hornets practices. It's like you're not teaching them anything. You're just making them feel bad because you're still better than them. It's like you're 50 and you can still drop like dimes over top of me whenever you feel like it. Because oh, they're basically the worst players. God, his wife's hot. Is she? Oh, she's amazing. Why? She's like Cuban and she's like 30. Uh, she's so worth a Google. Um, so. Am I finding the right one here? She have sh- Does she have short hair? She She's Cuban. That's, that, does, that doesn't answer the question. Well, um, I mean, it's like, it's not Juanita. Oh, is it Yvette Prieto? Yes. Okay, okay. Because there's there's two. I'm pretty sure a lot of these are pictures of his first wife with the short hair. Yeah, yeah that... well, she's like actual, she was actually like African-American. Yeah, no. So okay. you're going to want to go away from the African-American woman? Yes. But like uh, MJ's new wife or whatever, I don't know. Yeah, she's she's quite attractive. It's total Google worthy. I mean, MJ's married to like hotter chicks than actual NBA players are. She's got a button nose. Oh, dearest. That's that's the only appropriate thing I feel like I can say about these pictures. She has a lovely complexion. Oh, and of course we had, uh, as long as we're talking about it, uh, Irina has apparently moved on from Cristiano, if you saw her dress at the Oscars. Well, it's more like Cristiano's moved on from her, and she's trying to recapture some of her past glory. She's no Ronaldo. She didn't. Have, she didn't have to try very hard to do it. She's no Ronaldo. Uh, you know what else is no Ronaldo? God, neither of us. <laughs> exactly. I wish we were, but we're still gonna do episode forty-three of the all-new Sports of the Podcast. That is Wes Bradshaw. I am Edward Green, joined as always by. Uh, producer Desmond McManus, as we hunker down in our respective homes with the impending Snowpocalypse 2015 hitting North Carolina now. God, and you know it's Snowpocalypse when they're like, it snows, and then it doesn't snow for a while, and then it snows again the next day. It's like back-to-back days of snow. This is hell on earth. Yeah, this certainly, you know, the... the we, we are now brethren with the North that we're, since we're going to get a full five to six inches. Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, dude, we're shutting down. Everything's shutting down tomorrow. Oh. We have to play basketball in two weeks. It's true. Dude, just, oh, just, just on that extremely quick note. Yeah. 
I cannot wait to get that to high school basketball because you know what's going to happen. Two or three of the absolute top teams in the state who are head and shoulders above everybody else are going to get upset because they're going to have shot the ball once in two weeks. Yep. And some team who won like eight games in the regular season is going to come out just draining threes and they're going to upset some people. Yeah, there's going to be some giant killers, I think, in the NCHSAA high school tournament. Um, and hopefully we'll actually get to cover that maybe next week. But for right now, we have a packed show for you today. Uh, we have a lot of soccer to talk about. I mean, we have a lot of soccer to talk about today. Um, in fact, that's probably going to be the majority of our show. Uh, craziness in the Barclays Premier League with maybe a few officiating controversies, as our as our brethren over in England would say. I have no idea um, what you're talking about. Uh, of course you don't. It was magnificent this past week. Yeah, I, I have the text messages to prove that it was. Uh, we have, of course, Champions League and Europa to talk about. Uh, we'll head over to Spain for a second to talk about Barca dropping a stunner at home in late play. Uh, Figo wanting 48. Uh, maybe a shorter World Cup in 2022. Uh, we'll also have some devastating news out, out of Greece. Uh, that doesn't involve their uh, economic crisis. We'll talk a little bit of college basketball. Uh, we'll have some tech news from Australia, which, of course, is the prison colony of the world. We'll, of course, end the show with Watch 4 and So Raw. But first, Wes, and I, I have a feeling you have some stuff to talk about in So Raw, Wes. Oh, dude, that was a big week. Big week. It was fast, fast lane. Randy Orton's back, baby. Oh, boy, I can't wait. Um, and before yeah. we get going, in an ode to our friend the Men in Blazers, while I don't have a Guinness, I do have a tall silver bullet pint. Silver bullet. Come wait, on. wait, hold up for like one second. Hold me some beers. I'll be right back. Okay. I'm just going to talk about this. Carry the podcast! Frosty, delicious Coors Light, who we would absolutely love to have as a show sponsor, so you can then send me more of these uh, oh, fantastic... Okay. Aluminum pints directly to my house so we can do what we're about to do here. I have a nice bottle of G2 Fruit Punch Gatorade. Oh, that I have, so let's crack it open, Wes. Okay, you ready? Yes. Okay. Here we go. Oh, oh, that's, oh, that's popping off. Oh, tapping the top. I'm tapping the top here. Here we go. I'm going to have a nice sip here. Mm. Mm. That is refreshing. It's good. I might pop up a few more of those for me. I, I hope you do. Uh, of course, before we begin talking, uh, we'd like to remember remind you guys that this podcast is presented by NGSC Sports. You can find them over at NGSCSports.com, where their motto is, we never stop, and their coverage doesn't ever stop. Some great more articles coming out on their website just today. Of course, the NFL draft is coming up. They're hitting that super hard. Uh, they are talking wait, about. Wait, wait, wait! Are you talking about the drafter prospects hitting significant others? Never mind. Uh, Continue. It's kind of one and the same at this point. Uh, well, they also have an Atlanta Braves team preview. If you're into that, Wes and I will be doing our baseball preview in the coming weeks. But uh, yeah, they have an Atlanta Braves team preview done by Tuan Staley. So go check that out. Um, but right now, uh, while you're checking that out on your computer, please continue listening to the podcast here. Uh, we are going to dive, Wes, into this weekend's action from the Barclays. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I would be remiss if I didn't give you the choice 
of where you'd like to start. Do you want to start uh, domestically or do you want to start uh, European competitions? I think we need to start by putting ourselves over. Oh, Oh, we can do that the too. People have to know how to get hold of us. Uh, well, of course, you can check out the podcast descriptions for all of our social medias, but you can find us as a collective on Twitter at All New Sports Show, at Wes Bradshaw21, and at Edward Green, our individuals. Uh, find us on Facebook, where we are All New Sports Show, as well as Instagram at All New Sports Show. YouTube, we are The All New Sports Show. Like our channel there, subscribe to it for all our latest videos. Email us, allnewsportshow at gmail.com. Finally, you can mail us letters and parcels to 1701 Sunset Avenue, Suite 201, Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, 27804. So now, Wes, where would, you like to, where would you like to start as you dig into another Coors Light? I'm drinking way too much of that. Uh, domestically or in Europe. Um, I'll tell you what, let's, uh, let's start domestically, and then we can wrap all of Europe, Champions League and... Uh, Europa into one little chat at the end. It sounds good because you know I'm I'm really excited about one of the results that took place in the Champions League today. Oh, I can just imagine how excited you are. I'm very excited. But we're first going to start in the Barclays Premier League over in jolly old England. Uh, these were the results from your matches this past weekend. On Saturday, it was Aston Villa one, Stoke two, Chelsea one, Burnley. One, Sean Dyche's men maybe took advantage of, as, as Mourinho would say, four moments in the game to steal a point at Stamford Bridge. I believe uh, it was uh, 30 minutes, 33 minutes, 43 minutes, and um, 69 minutes. Yes, I believe that was what it was. Um, also, Crystal Palace won Arsenal 2. Arsene Wenger's men get three points at um, Selhurst Park. Uh, Hull City 2. QPR one whole city gets a big win to jump out of or try to jump out of the relegation zone. Sunderland nil, West Brom nil. Uh, the Black Cats hold West Brom scoreless uh, at the Stadium of Light to keep afloat in the Premier League table. Swansea two, Manchester United one. Louis Van Hall's side goes down to the Swans, minus Wilfred Bonet, but they get it on a John Joe Shelby wonder strike. They got John Joe'd! Ah, oh, I love getting John Joe'd. Well, you yeah, might not that much. That's true. Uh, Manchester City 5, Newcastle nil. Manchester runs amok at the Etihad to return to their dominance. Well, at least for a few days until they got back to Europe. Um, and then on Sunday, yeah. this is. This is when things sort of really started going nuts. Tottenham 2, West Ham 2. Tottenham you say the greatest 2-2 result of all time? The greatest point ever earned in the history of the Premier League. Tottenham come back down 2-0 after 80 minutes to secure a point in the last kick of the game because he's one of our own. Also 2-2 was Everton Leicester. Roberto Martinez's side cannot get three points from bottom of the table Leicester. And in maybe, we build it as the match of the weekend, and it certainly to an extent lived up to the hype. Southampton nil, Liverpool two. Uh, Southampton loses at St. Mary's Stadium uh, for one of the few times this year in a match that was filled with stunning goals and... Uh, as we'll say, yeah, a little bit of controversy. Wes, uh, I believe uh, Ronnie Coleman could say minute one, minute three, 
minute four, <laughs> minute 30. So oh. it's, it's, but let's talk about that. Uh, Philip Coutinho maybe has one of the goals of the year in the Barclays Premier League to open the scoring in just the third minute for the Anfield side playing over in St. Mary's. Whereas uh, Raheem Sterling then put the game away in the 73rd. But of course, oh God, there's an ad going on in my head and it's really, really annoying. Um, this, this, there was a lot of blown calls in this game, uh, or at least calls that were heavily contested, Wes. Of course, we opened the game with uh, Emery Chan bringing down his man in the box. It looked like a 50-50 call. The head official said it was not to be. Uh, play continued. Uh, they, uh, Liverpool went on to score. And then there was maybe another penalty that didn't get called on Joe Allen that was much more egregious looking. Then there was the Simon Mignolet handball that was not called as he handled the ball outside of his box. <laughs> Overall, though, Wes, I mean, you're, you're a Liverpool fan. You, you and I texted. You, you sort of agreed with my feelings and maybe other people's feelings. But still, it's a win and three points for Liverpool on the road. As Roger Bennett said, it was Southampton versus Southampton's legends. Yes. Um, I mean, what can you say? At the end of the day for Liverpool, three points is three points. You take it from a team that at this point is now directly above you in the table. Mm -hmm. It was an absolutely massive, massive result for Liverpool to go to St. Mary's and get that result. Um, yeah, there were maybe a few uh, close calls in there. Uh, here, here, Here's my thinking of them, uh, the two penalty appeals. Uh, I thought Chan... I thought the very first of the game, I said no penalty on that. I I, I, I thought it was 50-50. He went down easy. I yeah. think he went down looking one, and I believe that's why he didn't get it. The Joe Allen one was egregious. Yeah, that was really <laughs> especially, bad. You know, and especially when you see the replay in slow-mo, I mean, Joe Allen was not even close. Uh, extremely, extremely lucky not to, not to get – yeah, I, I could have almost seen seen him seeing straight red there, um, because that was you know took away to me it took away a clear goal scoring opportunity. Yes. Um, so you know Liverpool Joe Allen extremely fortunate there. Um, there was uh, there was one later on where they appealed for a Dejan Lovren handball. I didn't think that was a handball. Uh, he never moved his arms yeah. out blocking. Yeah. I thought that was incidental. I thought that was a good no call. Um, Mignolet, Mignolet was most definitely from the angle we saw out of the box. Mm -hmm. Uh, the problem was there was no way an official could make that call because no one had an angle on it. Yeah. The, I, if, if I remember correctly, the, the image I shot, I saw the linesman was maybe 20 yards up the yeah. line and had yeah. a terrible angle on it. Yeah. I mean, so there was, that, that was kind of a tough one. That was a tougher one for Southampton. Um, I don't really have that big a problem with it because if you can't see the call, you can't make the call. Right. You know, on the two penalty appeals, he was right there. He could see those clearly. Um, you know, I said I thought he got one right. I thought he missed one. Um, but as far as the Mignolet handball, that's just uh, that's part of the game. I just I just feel that's part of the game where the official you know could not be in the proper position. Um, so that's one of those, you know, shit happens kind of things. Yeah, I, I, 
Sorry. And, <laughs> no, and you're you're totally right. I just that that to me is maybe the biggest miscall of the game. Uh, yes, the the one on Joe Allen would have been uh, a penalty, obviously, and would have led to most likely a goal. Um, however, if you if you give Mignolet a red, not only are you taking out a keeper who has started to get a little better uh, as the season he's playing, goes on, he's playing fantastic right now. He he right now. You could arguably say right now he's uh, playing. He's the most informed keeper in the Premier League. Yeah. I, well, um, but I don't know how much you how much stock you'd put into Danny Ward, and also that burns one of your substitutions because you're going to have to put him in. Let, let, well, let's just put it this way: uh, I couldn't even really tell you who the Liverpool backup keeper is at this point. It's Danny Ward. I mean, the only Danny Ward yeah. I know is the head coach at Rocky Mount Prep. Yes. Yeah. The football coach at Rocky Mount Prep. Um, you know, former football coach at North Edgecombe. That's the Danny Ward I know. So, obviously, I don't know this Danny Ward. No, so it's fine. He, he's I been an un- have felt comfortable with He's Danny 21 Ward. and has been only an unused substitute in every match he's been on the bench in this year. Well, obviously, um, you know, Brad Jones picking up the injury back when he did. Mignolet being reintroduced to the side. You know, with goalkeepers, you don't see them – you don't really have to rotate your goalkeepers unless you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, in Liverpool, they are in multiple competitions. But, you know, I mean, being a keeper, nothing nothing against it is not exactly the most physically taxing position in the world. No. So, you know, when you've got one on form who's, play, who's as to take a term from um, hockey, uh, standing on his head, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> you're not taking him out just to rotate for European matches because he's playing fine. He's playing every day. That's not a problem. Um, that would have completely turned the game on its head though. I think even more so than if Joe Allen had been shown red and they got a penalty mm-hmm. and realized, um, that would have really changed it just because of what Mignolet has meant over the last month to this side. Um, so Liverpool really, really dodged a bullet right there. But you know, Ed, they've always said, you know, People over the years have said when uh, when things are going your way, it's like luck kind of follows you. Yeah. I guess is the best way for me to say it. <clears throat> if this had happened in November, Mignolet by far would have been seen out of the box and would have gotten a red card. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if this had happened in November, no doubt about it, everything that could go wrong would go wrong. Um, but right now, they're the most informed team in the Premier League, and it just seems that you know luck is on your side. It is one of those things. You, you look at some of the stats. Southampton outshot Liverpool. They had sixty percent of the possession in the game. It, it's. I, I think. I hate. 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 Hate the use of the word "deserved" when we talk about football. Not you and me specifically, but when I hear analysts talking about football, uh-huh. I. Th- this is one. I'm going to say Southampton didn't deserve to lose, and that's nothing against Liverpool. Liverpool won the game, but it just. It, it it's just one of those things where where Southampton didn't deserve what happened to them, and I I do feel bad for them, especially in a season where they have beaten so many odds to to lose the players they did, and uh-huh. to basically be a top three team for now two thirds of the year. That's that's really tough on them, and I I as as a Spurs fan, I I, I don't mind Southampton. I mean, they gave us their coach, so you know. I mean, they're they're obviously our youth team at this point, so I don't mind them either. Yeah. Um. You know, Schneiderlin's going to look great in red next year. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I I disagree with you a little bit with what you say. Um. 
I don't at the end of the day I really don't think they deserve to win. They may have deserved a result. Yeah, I can go with that. Um but I mean if you really look at it, especially in that second half, once uh once Liverpool introduced Alberto Moreno at halftime, mm-hmm. they were completely on the front foot for the second half of that match. Um they drove forward, they ended up getting the uh getting the second goal that gave them Gave them the advantage. Um, Yes, uh, Southampton were hard done in the first half on the two penalty appeals and the Mignolet Mignolet moment. But I just, uh, I can't say they deserved it because I think Liverpool did a fantastic job of keeping their composure and they saw the game out and even added another goal later. Uh, Wonder strike from uh, Coutinho. Yep. And Sterling getting his job done when he needed to. Well, that wasn't the only uh, refereeing controversy uh, that followed the Barclays Premier League. Uh, one, uh, we'll get to the we'll get to the Mourinho one in a minute. But first, we're going to go to White Hart Lane, uh, where again it was Tottenham two, West Ham two. Uh, Chico Coyote scored in the twenty second minute, and Diafria Sacco scored in the sixty second. Both offset pieces for the Hammers. But as Tottenham has done all year, they responded and responded well. Danny Rose hit a bouncing ball off the turf in the 81st minute that beat uh, Adrian. And then in the 95th minute, Alex Song brought down Harry Kane in the box. Kane stepped up, saved by Adrian, but because he never, ever stops, Kane puts the rebound right into the back of the net. Final kick. Final whistle, Spurs steal a point from the Hammers. I, Wes, is are there more fun teams to watch right now in the Premier League than Liverpool and Tottenham? No. <laughs> um, I'm uh, not saying they're they're equally good. I'm saying are they because they're they're completely different right now. For Liverpool, you were seeing an entire team effort come together mm-hmm. um, from the back all the way to the front. That's what you're seeing from Liverpool. From Tottenham, you just have a guy who has – I mean, it's literally like watching Tottenham about two years ago with um, Gareth Bale. Mm-hmm. You just have a guy who has so much belief that every time he's put into a big situation, he's going to score. And that's what's making Tottenham so fun is you're riding the Harry Kane ride. Do you, um, do you, do you uh, Michael Davies, uh, the, one of the other men in Blazers, uh, he said a few weeks ago on their podcast that he thinks there's something about Harry Kane when he puts on the Tottenham shirt that, that just transforms him. Because he said, you know, he'd never been that great for England. Uh, he'd never been uh, like a huge star coming up through Spurs ranks. And now all of a sudden he, he puts on this Spurs kit and is just amazing. And he's almost just willing himself to score these goals do you think that there's something to it do you think you know i think raj bennett even said he's 95 percent belief and five percent skill um <laughs> i don't want to put it that bad i mean the kid can play yes it's it's not i don't think this is a lucky streak i don't think it's um because people aren't taking him seriously i just think uh you know some guys are not world beaters when they're 17 mm-hmm it takes guys, you know, some guys have to have to take time to develop. He's a big and, kid. I mean, he's he's one of those that really, I think, had to grow into his body a bit. 
I mean, really, you know, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it doing basketball before. You know, the tall guys. We'll just, you know, let's use. Hey, let's use Dante Battle. Just, I know most everyone listening to this has no idea who we're talking about. Yes. But let's just say Dante Battle, a guy you and I know, as a freshman in high school, playing for uh, the Capstone, the Rocky Mount High School Griffons. Yes. You know, the kid was uh, 6'6". He, you know, he was a little gangly. He was a little clumsy. He wasn't very quick. But you could tell there was something there. Mm-hmm. And by the end of his sophomore year, he's the MVP of the state title game. And two years later, he's the Big East player of the year. And he's just a dominant force as a junior and a senior in high school. Because he grew into that big body. You know, he thickened up. Um, you know, his feet caught up with what his body wanted to do. And, you know, when he was 15, he didn't have the it. When he was 18, he had that it factor. Right. And that's kind of what you're seeing with Harry Kane. You know, that, that's what I believe. I believe, kind of like you said, he had to grow into his body. You know, um, small, compact guys, they don't ever really have to grow into their body because there's nothing to grow into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when you've got a little height on you and you're a little gangly, you've got long arms, you've got long legs, you got to put it all together. And the thing is, a lot of guys never put it together. But Harry Kane has, and maybe this has just been the year that it's, it's clicked for him. You know, I mean, there are those guys. It just has to click sooner or later. And um, it's clicked for him. Uh, obviously, he's going to be fantastic at Real Madrid. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, he's I, – I just – yes, I think maybe having the Tottenham shirt on, I think it does something for him. But I think you're just finding a kid who it's clicking and it's coming together for him. I think that's the biggest thing of it all. I, I think you're right. I think I think this is something where you know you mentioned the the shorter. I mean, Lionel Messi, the greatest player in the world today, is not a tall person. He's very small and very compact, and he's been great for a very long time, from very early on. And like you said, that's why because he, his body hasn't really changed that much. No, no. I mean, he's put on some weight. He's put on some muscle, some weight since he was a 16 year old wonder kid. But I mean, you know, other than that. He's a little thicker, but you, mm-hmm. there's no real difference in him. You know, Luis Suarez, when he was at Liverpool, I thought Luis Suarez was kind of a little bigger than your average size striker. And mm-hmm. he was like 5'10 and weighed 180, 185 pounds. He was me. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, Suarez never had the long arms and the long legs to have to work into. It just, it was there. He was, you know, he had a really good body for it. For Kane, once you get some height on you, some size, you know, I mean, we're not talking Peter Crouch here by any no. means, but, um, you know, those guys, it just, it takes a while to get everything, you know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of like they say, um, you know, your, your body can't catch up with what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. I think it's finally catching up with what he's thinking. Uh, big Sam. After and, the game. And, oh, and also one other thing to throw in, um, sure. this Spurs first team, he has a lot better players around him as well than whatever he's ever played with. Oh, certainly. He's never played with a Christian Erickson distributing to him. Mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't played with uh, these other guys that Tottenham has around him who can distribute and get him the ball where he needs it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's also a big thing is, um, is, is distribution and getting the ball in the right places at the right time. And then his biggest job is just to finish. And you're right. Uh, that's what Erickson did. Erickson fed him in the box in that 95th minute. Alex Song brought him down. Big Sam after the game, head coach of West Ham. Uh, obviously emotional. 
complained about it, said he just went down very soft. Um, I saw the replay. I don't know if you did. We just talked about Kane being sort of a big guy. Alex Song looked like he wrapped both his hands around him and brought him down. I don't know if he actually went down soft, but that was... To me, that was a pretty clear penalty. And in fact, Nabil Bentaleb, uh, one of Spurs' players, actually lashed out at Big Sam, telling him basically to go shut his mouth. Um, which, as I wrote on our Spurs Facebook page, I, I hope uh, Maurizio Pochettino took him aside and said, don't ever do that again. I like that you're supporting your teammates. I like that you'll stick up for them. Never, ever, ever do that again. That is my job, not yours. Anyway, what did what did you think of that penalty call? In, in a list of... Very controversial calls this weekend. I thought it was very non-controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the one thing, <clears throat> one way I feel about penalties uh, is a lot of the times, I think the guy who commits the foul, you can almost look at his body language after he gets up and mm-hmm. you can tell if he thought it was a foul or not. Yeah. And, you know, Song got up and his head, oh, crap. He you know, panicked. He, he going, panicked. Oh, shit. You know, and he did, and he was beat. Yes. That's the thing, you know, you're taught, I mean, it's just like basketball, you know, you're taught, hey, if you're beat, foul him, don't let him score. Yes. Um, and, hey, you know, that that's the deal. The, you know, they probably had a better chance, you know, of, oh, well, let's say blocking the penalty shot yeah. than they had of uh, stopping him in the open field. And, and that's exactly what they try to do. Uh, obviously, again, to no avail as he was able to put in the uh, saved penalty and level the score. Wes, let's go to Stamford Bridge, uh, where Branislav Ivanovic opened the proceedings for Chelsea in the 14th minute. Branislav Ivanovic certainly now putting his uh, name in the hat for the Golden Boot in England this year. He you realize can- that now he is now um, one goal behind Fernando Torres for career Chelsea goals? Yeah, he's he's really good. He's, 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 he's hit a bit of a streak, has Branislav Ivanovic. Um, but of course, that was only the tip of the iceberg, as in the 70th minute, Nemanja Matic was sent off with a straight red. Ivanovic also picked up a yellow at the same time for Matic basically shoving a guy to the ground. We'll get to why in a second, but, <laughs> but that sent uh, Chelsea to 10 men. And Benjamin, not you, but me, equalized on a header from a corner in the 81st minute to give little Burnley a much-needed points against Chelsea. Remember, this was the opening match of the season. Burnley actually took that 1-0 lead early against Chelsea. Chelsea responded with three quick. But that Maddich penalty, he was provoked. It's very tough, but in the heat of the moment, I still think it was the right call to send him off, but... Obviously, I think both of us could understand what was going through Matic's head there. Yeah, because he just saw his career flash before his eyes in a horrible, horrible tackle. Yeah. You know, if you want to give Matic a red card, you've got to give, um, oh, crap, what's his name? Um, the guy who made the tackle. I actually would need to look it up in the article. You've got to give him, you've got to give him a straight red as well, because that was as dangerous a tackle. Ashley Barnes. Ashley Barnes, that's it. That's as dangerous a tackle as I've seen in a long time. And he had intent. Um, you know, first he, you know, first he came down on the shin with basically a front kick, and then brought that back leg into it, and you know, just about hyperextended his leg. If he had gotten it in there just a little more, 
Nemanja Matic would be looking at the next year on the sideline. Yeah. I mean, that, that, was, an, that was a torn ACL waiting to happen. Um, I can totally understand where, uh, you know, where uh, Matic came from. Obviously didn't handle it as well as he probably should have, and he is paying the price for that. But Barnes should be right there with him on a card. Yeah. Um, and I, for once, for one time in my life, I completely agree with Mourinho. That was absolutely appalling that a red card didn't go the other way as well. It it was very weird. I I I, I don't af- understand why. This, these are the kind of things where we need to start maybe thinking about instant replay in soccer. I know, I know that's probably hated, but it's it's times like these where we need to be able to say, okay, that guy just shoved a guy. Why did he do that? Oh, it's because he almost got injured for a year. Maybe we should go punish the guy that did it too. I, to me, it was horrible, but it's a lot to ask of just three officials. Um, as we talked about in the Liverpool-Southampton match, when Mignolet fielded the ball outside the box, nobody had a good angle on it. And th- and this happens again. This Now, this was a lot more of a dangerous situation. Exactly. But it's that same thing where it's, again, Matic deserved the red card, but he only did that because somebody tried to take him out. Whatever Barnes's intent was, he tried to take him out. And he definitely also should have been shown at least yellow, if not worse. <clears throat> totally agree. And, um, you know, for that, yes, it was a very difficult decision for the official to have to make. Um, I think that the Premier League should be going back and retroactively putting something on to uh, Barnes. I, I don't exactly know if they can. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but, you know, as for Maddich, um I can never remember what they did about this, but I believe, you know, I think that Maddox should have that red card. You know, okay, you got one, you got one, you're out this game. I don't think he should face any further suspension for it. But I want to say that he's having to. Um, let me – I'm going to actually look it up real quick uh, because – okay, his his, uh, his suspension was reduced to two matches. Okay. However, well, he still will miss the FA Cup final this week – or the, sorry, the Capital One final this weekend. <laughs> And see, I just I think that's garbage, personally. So. Uh, I I don't I well, if if it was if you suspend him at all, he's gonna miss the Capital One Cup final because that's their next match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, 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 I don't think you should suspend him at all. I I think you have to. I and I'm not just saying that because then he misses the the, the Cup <laughs> final. I I I think you you can't have somebody doing that and while i completely understand why you can't let them then go free you you can't set that sort of precedent uh where where then because then you're basically saying if somebody does something to you and you feel you've been aggrieved you can go after them you might lose uh be sent off that match but we'll won't do anything more to you no it's just like it's just like in baseball when we see pitchers throw at batters and then brawls start. No, you you can't just say, "Well, I'm a batter. A guy just threw at my head and almost gave me a concussion. Now I'm going to go charge the mound, and even though I'll be ejected, I won't get suspended because the guy threw at my head." 
like no, you you still can't do that. So I think I think the suspension should be maybe one game. Uh, I'm glad they reduced it at all because it shouldn't have been as long nearly as they said. But yeah, it's um, I, I again I completely understand why he did it. Well, uh, I just I, I think you've got to go back. You've got to look at extenuating circumstances on that. That's why you've got the replay. That's why you've got the review board. <clears throat> and when you see that, okay, fine, throw him a game suspension in there. You know, shoot, he can miss the he can miss the one this week uh, in the League Cup final. But I don't think he should miss any more time other than that. I, I agree with that. I I think one match is 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 enough for something like this. I think it sends a message of. We won't tolerate that, but if there's extenuated circumstances, we'll we'll let you plea bargain. That's what we'll let you do. We'll let you plea out to a much lesser offense. Instead of mindless rampage, it's self-defense. So just just take your one-game suspension. But that's what's going oh, on. Oh, country! Woo! Um, last one we'll go through here in the Premier League. Uh, again, Swansea 2, Manchester United 1 at Liberty Stadium. Swansea scores twice after Ander Herrera uh, puts Manchester United in front with a goal in the 28th minute. Ki Sung Yung in the 30th, and Bafatimbi Gomez after being set up by Junju Shelby. Um, for Swansea, gets Gary Monk's men three points. United had been on a bit of a streak west. But that rickety, not very good back line finally gave way and allowed Swansea to break through. Um, but then again, Swansea is a tough place to go win. We can't all be Tottenham. And we can't all stand up to John Joe Shelby. He's a very beautiful ball man. He's Voldemort Jr. Um, for United, uh, the cracks are getting bigger for United right now. Yes, they are. Because it's not just that defense with, uh, God, as crazy as it sounds, with all that sick name talent, that attack is really failing them right now. Um, you know, Robin Van Persie is just, he is not the Robin Van Persie of two years ago, which I love because I can't stand Robin Van Persie. Um, <clears throat> he's, he's breaking down physically. Falcao, we discussed that. Well, I think we discussed Falcao last week about mm -hmm. coming from the injury. He is not the Falcao that they thought they were getting right now. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Rooney, they have decided they're playing him in midfield, even though he's probably their best striker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I, no problem for me. Sure, uh, go ahead. Which, I mean, that's probably where his future lies. Rooney, for as much as we dog Wayne Rooney, he is a really, really good footballer. And it's not just as a striker. That guy can play. You can literally put him about anywhere on the pitch. Mm -hmm. And he would he could put in a good shit for you. He, he's sort of like Steven Gerrard in that uh in that vein. And I'm talking in form, you know, 27, 28-year-old Steven Gerrard, where you could play him at right back or left back, and he would immediately become one of maybe the 10 best in the world. Right. <laughs> Rooney is that type of a player. You can put him anywhere he can play. <clears throat> and right now for United, they, you know, United neglected their midfield for so many years that right now they just, they've got to play in there because they don't really have anywhere else. And because of that, it's, uh, it's really hurting their attack. They can't figure out how the hell to play Di Maria. You know, they can't figure out how to play Juan Mata. Um, they're you know, playing Fellaini. Yeah. Yeah. They're playing Fellaini at all. And, and I mean, literally, you know, Oh my God. 
for for the footballing genius that Louis Van Hall is supposed to be, mm-hmm. I mean, they have really, really reverted to 1970s and 1980s kind of football mm-hmm. where it's they, they long ball and they just hope somebody in the box can get on the end of it. A lot of crosses, you know, a lot of – and that's why Fellaini's been effective is because they're just putting the ball up there and hoping, well, he's 6'5", he'll go up and get it. They're just throwing long balls. They're, they're, they're just – I mean, they're throwing Hail Marys constantly the entire game. And that is not – you know, that is not the Manchester United that we came to know and love under Sir Alex Ferguson. You know, that team was so dominant in attack because they just kept coming at you and coming at you and coming at you. And they played such a beautiful brand of football. Um, and that is gone right now. And for Van Hall, you know, I, I don't, I'm not one of those people who's calling for the head of Van Hall. No. You know, I, I always... I always feel, unless someone is just a complete grease fire for a manager, I always feel you've got to give them two or three years. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to let them get their players in and get their system put in. And luckily for him, I mean, Man United, they're going to give him the funds to bring in who he needs. Yes. It's just, you know, will guys come if you can't offer them Europe? Um, now, this past year, he couldn't offer Europe, and he still brings in, you know, the most expensive player, you know, in the Premier League history in, uh, in Di Maria. Uh, they still bring in Ander Herrera. Uh, they brought in good players, and they are apparently, from rumors, they are prepared to break the bank again this summer. Apparently, he's been giving 150 million pounds to spend on three players. Oh boy! So you know, uh, and you know, they're looking at the likes of maybe a Mats Hummels, um, you know, a Marco Royce, players along those lines. You know, they're looking for top top players with that. Um, it's just the feeling is. If if they cannot hang on to Champions League spot, that could obviously hinder them in some of the guys they're interested in getting. Yeah, that's um, gonna be interesting. But but that's just the thing right now with United. They are not. They have some really big names and really expensive players. But this right now is just they're just not a very good team. But man, they found a way to get results this year. So uh, yeah, give them some credit. They they are doing maybe better than I expected, but also once we we really saw them going into the season, I don't think even and we'll take a look at the Premier League table in a second. I think even in fourth place, I think given their talent, given Van Hall coming in, and given what the rest of the league is doing around them, I think they've actually underperformed this year. So well, the thing is, if you look at the numbers from this year to last year, I believe I want to say they had maybe a point more with Moyes through this point last year. It's it's very close, yeah. It's just the the difference is last year there were three or four teams that were running rampant. <laughs> you know, your Chelsea, Liverpool, uh, Man City, you know, Arsenal, Tottenham. They were just all playing maybe at a higher level last year. Um, but you know, right now United is in fourth place, and I really I, I don't think there are a lot of people out there who think they're going to finish in the top four. You know, right now, you know, we 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 talk about it obviously every week. We'll do it again. Liverpool, brother, the way Liverpool are playing right now, I mean, they they may be a few points back of United and a couple spots in between them. But if you had to go right now and bet your house on it, are you betting that United is going to find a way or that Liverpool is going to find a way? Between those two, I would take Liverpool. 
And and there you go right now. And that has that has United fans terrified because well we're in it right now, but shit, <laughs> you know we are not playing well, and we've been getting by on smoke and mirrors, and it's only going to get harder from here. You know, I took Man United to finish seventh as sort as a little bit of a joke. That's not impossible right now. No, it's not because they are. <laughs> Even though they you know, they haven't lost much lately, they are not in form right now at all. No, and it's and their schedule is going to get really tough from here on out. Yeah. Ah, oh, well, good times over at Old Trafford. Um, so like I said, we're going to take a look right now at the Barclays Premier League table in advance of this weekend's matches. Chelsea's still at the top, sixty points. Uh, that draw and City's win brings the lead back down to five. Arsenal currently sit in third, but this is where the logjam starts. Arsenal in third at 48, United in fourth at 47, Southampton in fifth with 46th, Liverpool in sixth with 45, and Tottenham in seventh with 44. That's right. Every team from third to seventh is separated by one point. And it's going to be a fantastic finish for those Champions League places. As we head to the bottom of your heart, the relegation zone, Queen's Park Raisins currently in 17th place, 22 points. Also with 22, though, Burnley and Aston Villa, 18th and 19th, goal differential just separating them, and that goal differential is actually very tight. Leicester still at the very bottom, 18 points, 20th place. It looks like Leicester is going to be going down, but that is going to be a very tight race to see. Let me me throw one thing out about Burnley real quick. Sure. Burnley this year have gone to Chelsea, Mm -hmm. come from 1-0 down to get a draw. They went to Man City, came from 2-0 down to get a draw. Mm -hmm. Last day of the season, if Burnley finds a way to finish outside the relegation zone, how massive were two come-from-behind draws against the teams that are going to finish first and second in the Premier League? I mean, arguably right now, out of QPR, Burnley, and Aston Villa, Burnley is the one that probably deserves to stay up the most, even, oh. even though they have the least number of wins. They've, just, they've got to find goals. Danny Ings has been fantastic for them. He is uh, – right now, Ings most likely going to be on his way out the door this summer, highly, highly connected with Liverpool. Also, uh, Tottenham was mm-hmm. in on Danny Ings. Um, <clears throat> I believe also maybe United and Arsenal were, th- were looking at him. Uh, he seems to have turned down a move to play for David Moyes at Real Sociedad. Um, no-brainer, obviously. Um, but you know, he has been really good this year for them. They just, uh, if they can find a few goals, I think that's a team that can stay up. Last day of the season, getting a result to stay up. I wonder who do they play the last week of the season? Let me look real quick here. Uh, if I can find their, their, we have their fixture list now in front of me. Uh, it's loading here. Let's go to uh, 24. There's 2015. They are at Aston Villa the last week of the season. Oh, those two, that could, that could be the relegation decider right there. Oh God. Uh, Burnley still have Swansea at home. Then they go to Liverpool. Uh, host Man City, go to Southampton, host Spurs and Arsenal, uh, go to Everton, host Leicester, go to West Ham, go to Hull, host Stoke, and then go to Aston Villa to end the season. That's that's a team to watch out for. All right, um, real quick now, let's get your schedule for this weekend in the Barclays Premier League. 
Uh, Saturday, start your day the right way with 745 action, West Ham versus Crystal Palace. Then at 10, you have a choice of Burnley, Swansea, Manchester United, Sunderland, Newcastle, Aston Villa, Stoke, Hull, and West Brom, Southampton. We'll see if the Saints can rebound. And on Sunday, hey, what do you know? It's match of the week again. Liverpool, Man City, 7 a.m. That is called the fuck you West game. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Um, And then at 9, it's Arsenal versus Everton. We'll see if Everton can start to pick it up a little bit. And, of course, at 11 o'clock at Venerable Wembley Stadium will be the Capital One Cup final between Tottenham and Chelsea. Uh, have you, by the way, have hey, you seen, gonna start so early. Screw you guys. have you seen the, the hot shot Tottenham song? I heard there was a hot shot Tottenham song, but I haven't heard it. It's, it's all right. It's all right. It's, no, it's, not <laughs> it's, it's pretty dorky. I won't lie. It's, it's, and, and, and it also claims it, I believe they stole it from me. Um, that, uh, Bobby's going to be the one to, uh, win the cup. So. That, that's that's how the script's been written. It is known Roberto Soldado will score in the 116th minute to win the cup for Tottenham. Anyway, let's go to let's go to the Champions League. What do you say, Wes? Well, sure. I don't think Arsenal fans want us to go to the Champions League, but let's go to the Champions League. Oh, oh, I do. Um, another big week there. Your results from this week, uh, and again, these are first legs in round of 16 ties. Manchester City won Barcelona. Two, Luis Suarez scores a brace for Barcelona as uh, Manchester City can only respond with a Sergio Aguero strike just when it looked like they were getting back into the match. Another player, yes, another player. This was a theme in the Champions League and the Premier League. Another man sees red as Gael Clichy goes off after his second yellow in the 74th minute. Uh, over in Turin, it was Juventus to Borussia Dortmund. One, Carlos Tevez and um, Alvaro Morata score twice for Juventus. Marco Royce was the only score for Dortmund as Juventus takes a 2-1 lead on aggregate. Uh, over in Leverkusen, it was Bayer 1, Atletico Madrid 0. Hakan Kalanglu scored the only goal for Bayer in the 57th minute. And at the Emirates, in a, in a result that brings so much joy to my heart, Arsenal 1, our favorite principality, Monaco 3. Goals, uh, Wonderstrike, you want to talk about Wonderstrike, Jeffrey Kongobia, Kondogbia, excuse me, <laughs> scored in the 38th minute on an absolute screamer from outside the box. Former Tottenham legend Dimitar Berbatov uh, made a 2-0 in the 53rd minute. And then just a few minutes after Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain pulled Arsenal back within one in stoppage time, Ferreria Carrasco caught Arsenal on the counter and made it 3-1. Wes, let's go there and then we'll go back to Man City. Um... You know, we talk about everything Monaco lost, uh, especially going into the Champions League this year. And you were thinking, you know, if they still had James, if they still had Falcao, you know, this this could have been a really dangerous team. Well, right now, this team might be 90 minutes away from going to the round of eight. This is amazing job by then to go to the Emirates. And I think one thing I, I heard, mm-hmm. uh, Monaco's coach came out and said they wanted to go at Arsenal in the second half because in the tape they studied... Arsenal tend to fall apart in the second half. I think that's very damning damning of Arsene Wenger's side. Well, the thing about Monaco 
is um, what they were known for going into the offseason that everyone thought they were losing was uh, was their attack. What people didn't take into account was, man, their defense is amazingly stingy and has been in the Champions League. After today, I believe they've given up a total of three goals in Champions League play. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and when you can't score, you know, when nobody can score against you, that, that – uh, that's good. That's good when nobody can score against you. Um, I, I, I want I want to say there's somewhat of a parallel, maybe a little bit between Monaco and Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And hear me out on this. I think this is a team that, you know, they lost their attacking impetus to start the season. Much like Liverpool lost Luis Suarez. They lost uh, Falcao. They lost James. Um, and suddenly it was like, well, where are the goals going to come from? You know, what are we going to do? Where are the goals going to come from? Well, the defense got really stingy, <clears throat> and they are, I believe at this point of the season, they're starting to find um, they're starting to find a way to score goals. Yes. And that is that that's a really scary proposition when you're having to play them now because they're very, very, very difficult to break down. And now they're starting to score. So um I just I think this is a really dangerous team right now, and they are you know they always say in basketball you want to peak you know hey if you're a college team you want to peak in February and March, well if you're a Champions League team you want to peak when you get in the round of sixteen, yes uh, when it becomes knockout play, and they seem to be peaking at the right time. I think that it was just a really great performance by them. They really took it to Arsenal, and I think you know we talked about. Uh, Dinner, uh, not dinner pro, um, Shakhtar, uh, going up against Baron last week and not really going after them. And that was at home for Shakhtar. And you, you said last week, Wes, if you're maybe an underdog team, especially once you've made to the group stage, let it all hang out, go for the win. And I think that's exactly what Monaco did here. And they are now reaping the benefits and they're going to get to go home knowing, Hey, we just basically got to play the same defense and with a three goal, three away goals, no less, we're pretty solidly into the next round. Yeah, yeah. Um, I believe the uh, SPI on uh, on ESPN right now have Monaco a 94% um, probability to go through to the round of eight. Mm-hmm. Um, Arsenal, wow, Arsenal. What do you say about Arsenal at this point? Um, I believe I saw something on Twitter today. They said... Uh, they said uh, it was it was great getting to watch uh, what a magician that Mesut Ozil is today. Said because after the first five minutes, he uh, he made himself disappear. Oh my! <laughs> I, I read that uh, Olivier Giroud was actually subbed off at halftime, according to Wenger, because they, he missed a few easy chances. He, I, I feel like there was a lot of of heart being questioned in this match. He well, the ratings today from ESPN FC because I happened to get a chance to watch ESPN FC before we came on. Mm-hmm. Um, his rating today was two. That was bad. That's that's horrendous. Yes. Um, I don't think there was anyone on Arsenal rated over a five today. And unfortunately, you know, when you're getting fives and fours across the board, mm-hmm. that means that nobody played well. Yes. That means you had some guys who were serviceable today, but serviceable in the Champions League is not going to get you uh, moving on. 
Not at all. That was that. I think I think if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be very disappointed right now. And it just keeps this momentum going. Of okay, yeah, right now they're they're third place in the Premier League. They they'll probably end up dropping down a few, maybe a spot or two. So yeah, they'll be around fourth place again. They're not going to contend for a title. It doesn't look like they're going to contend for the Champions League. Maybe, maybe they can get back to the finals of the FA Cup. But this is just, I think, going to spur on more people who who should start to be increasingly dissatisfied with Arsenal as being, I think, underachievers. Well, you know, Craig Burley came out and said, you know, he thinks that after this season, if if it finishes like it normally does for Arsenal, he is of the opinion. I'm not a big Craig Burley fan. But he is of the opinion that uh, Wenger should should step away because, as he says, what's the point? Yeah. You know, I mean, what's the point of hoping to finish fourth every year, get to the knockout round, and immediately get knocked out in the round of 16? I mean, what are you trying to do? And don't sit here and say, well, we won the FA Cup. Because to a big team like um, uh, a big team, you know, like Arsenal – that's just not good enough no. to finish fourth and get to the knockout round of the you know of the Champions League, mm-hmm. um, especially a team that in the last couple of years has bought Mesut Ozil, has bought um, Alexis Sanchez. Mm-hmm. So you're finally starting to splash some cash. Well, hell, what am I going? What, what do you need to splash the cash for? You were finishing fourth and going to the round of sixteen every year before you were spending money. Yep. So once you start spending money, the expectations go up. And you cannot be satisfied with just finishing fourth and getting to the knockout round anymore. That's not good enough, Arsenal. You proved that on a not big budget you could do that. Well, now it's time it's time to take the next step. And right now I think a lot of people, myself included, are really questioning whether Arsene Wenger is the guy to take them on the next step. I would also like to throw my hat in that ring. That is, I, I think I think it's just reached a point. Where it's reached a point where it, it the message can't get through anymore. He's been there way too long. I mean, you have the average uh, tenure right now of Premier League managers is maybe like three, four years tops, and he's been there what 17, 18 years at least. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I I just think it's time for a change. It's just one of those where it's it's just not enough anymore. Um, let's move over to uh, the Etihad, where Man City again falls to Barcelona 2-1. to one. Uh, Could have been 3-1, to one, but Lionel Messi missed a penalty in the final moments of the game because, again, Lionel Messi is not Harry Kane. Um, again, uh, Barcelona... Yes. Uh, Man City was trying to get back into the game and did when Sergio Aguero scored in the 69th minute. But like we said, Gail Clichy killed the momentum, getting sent off in the 74th as... Barcelona, or sorry, as Man City was still looking to attack very strongly, that basically killed all of that momentum. Wes, you know, it, what's it going to take to get Man City over the hunt, uh, over the hump in Europe? Besides not drawing Man uh, Barcelona, apparently in the round of sixteen. Yeah, I mean that's why couldn't why couldn't they get someone? Why couldn't they get someone else? Why couldn't they get Shakhtar? Why couldn't they get Porto or Shakhtar? Exactly. <laughs> they always end up with. Seems like either Munich or uh, you know Barcelona. That's ridiculous. Um, I, I think that the best thing that's going to happen right now for City is that they're going to play a few more games before that return leg 
because I think reintegrating Yaya Toure and Wilfred and now integrating Wilfred Bonet into mm-hmm. that team back from the African Cup of Nations, where hey, they got a winner's medal, so that's a good yeah. thing. They're coming back happy. Um, I think that could really help them in the return leg. I'm not willing to write them off yet. Um, so I think having those two back, especially Yaya Torre, who is the engine of that team, uh, I think having him back and having him back in, uh, in game shape and in form and playing with his teammates, I could, I could totally see them overturn that in, in Barcelona at the, at the new camp. I I feel like this Barcelona side though is really starting to find their form, and I think I think that's going to be tough. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's certainly not the the uh, Herculean effort it's going to take for Arsenal to go through, but no. but I, I I don't know. I just I don't see it happening here. I I, I really don't. Well, I would be. I, I did not say I was betting on it. I'm okay. just saying I could see it happening. If, if someone could do it, it would be on their good day, Man City. You know what I mean? It's, it's not going to be able to be a pedestrian Man City effort. It's going to have to be Man City playing up to their capabilities. And Aguero scoring like a hat trick. And Aguero scoring. I mean, I could see Aguero scoring a few and see Yaya pound one in in about the 83rd minute to see them through. I could see that happening. Yeah, okay, uh, I can... I'm not saying it will. I'm not saying I would put a red cent on it. But I'm just saying if at the end of the day, if they're going through to the round of eight, I will not be I will not be blown out of the frame like I think I will if Arsenal come back. All right, that's fair. Um, so again, next set of matches start March 10th. So we have a week off from the Champions League before uh, these second legs commence. But this week, uh, Europa kicks right back into gear. Your, English, your English results were oh. young... That matters. Young boys won Everton for a hat trick for Romale Lukaku. He finally has scored. Uh, erases an early deficit for Roberto Martinez's side. Uh, Liverpool won Besiktas nil. Balotelli, worth every penny, has an 85th minute penalty strike to give Liverpool a 1 0 advantage going. Penalty gate. Yes. And if it had been literally anyone else on that team who did anything, it wouldn't have been a problem. But since it's Balotelli, it's the issue of all issues. We'll get to that in a second. And uh, at White Hart Lane, it was Tottenham 1, Fiorentina 1. Soldado scores in the 6th minute. Basanta scores to level in the 36th. And the teams will play tomorrow uh, for a right to go to the round of 16 in Italy. But Wes, let's go back. You mentioned it. Um, Balotelli takes the penalty. Uh, Jordan Henderson looked like he might have been the one that should have taken it. And Steven Gerrard wasn't very happy about it and let his feelings known. He didn't didn't like that much at all. Uh, so another controversy with Liverpool. Um, okay, here's the deal. A, um, Mario Balotelli is probably one of the top five penalty takers in the world. <laughs> um, Jordan Henderson, I believe, has taken one for – no, has never taken one for Liverpool, excuse me. Ah. Um, Here's the deal. Rodgers explained it after the game, and I don't know if this is Brendan Rodgers just trying to put out a fire, damage control, whatever. But, you know, apparently, and this is something that happens in football. Before you go in the game, hey, if we have a penalty, here's who's taking it. It's going to be Fred. It's going to be Bob. It's going to be Jeff. It's going to be Stevie G. Okay? Well, Stevie G is the normal penalty taker for Liverpool. Now, that's it. If Stevie G is on the field and decides, hey, I want you to take this uh, penalty, he can do that. Okay, mm-hmm. captain makes the decision 
you know, or, or if the t- penalty taker can make the decision if they want someone else to take it. Well, Jordan Henderson had gone into the match starting as the penalty taker. Mm-hmm. Apparently, from what Brendan Rodgers said, the order is Stevie G's number one penalty taker, Balotelli's our number two penalty taker, Lambert's the number three, and after that, it kind of depends on whoever's on the field. Mm-hmm. So the way Balotelli took this is when he came onto the field, hey, Stevie's not here, so I'm the number one penalty taker. Well, before the match started, Henderson had been designated the number one penalty taker. Whoops. But when Balotelli came onto the field, it should have been realized that automatically he becomes your number one penalty taker. So when it was time to take the penalty, Balotelli's like, okay, I'm here. Stevie's not here. I'm taking the penalty. And I don't think Henderson – Henderson, obviously, you're a young guy. You know, it's Europe. You you want to be the hero. Um, but I think at the end of the day, Henderson did the right thing by, A, not making a big stink about it on the field, and, B, letting the superior penalty taker take the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, the controversy would have died pretty quickly if not for, oh, captain, my captain, my beloved captain, yes. Steven Gerrard deciding to weigh in on it. Which just makes you, that's just one of those moments where you're like, no, <laughs> why do you have to say something here? You know this is going to cause a problem. Um, you know, this brought up among Liverpool fans and Liverpool, you know, journalists, uh, the fact that, you know, a lot of people just don't like the fact that uh, active players are pundits at matches. Yes. Especially when it's involving their own team. Yes. Because suddenly you have a completely different dynamic going on, which, hey, that's what the TV stations want. Mm -hmm. And, hell, that's exactly what they got. They got something to talk about out of it. Because Stevie G then makes a comment, well, that's disrespectful. I don't like that. And now it's like, oh, God, there's a row. You know, there's 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 a fight now between Ballo and between Stevie. And Stevie doesn't like the way things are going. And da 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 And suddenly we have an issue. And that's what they wanted. That's what they got. Um, Stevie, God, I don't want to say Stevie needs to learn because this guy's been the captain for a decade at Liverpool, but Stevie should know better than to air the dirty laundry live to the world before ever saying anything to anyone in his own locker room. So that was a, that to me, 100%, that was on Steven Gerrard. That was a bad move. I agree with you. I, I I feel like this this was only made something. I mean, if if he hadn't said anything, we probably never even would have heard about it because, as you said, Henderson really never did anything like to really raise that much of an issue about it uh, in the match. So, eh, eh, eh. well, I also feel that if this had been Adam Lallana taking the ball from Henderson, well, there would have never been anything said from anyone. Maybe I mean, once the words Mario Balotelli come into play. Now it's the issue of all issues. Why always me? I, I'm agreeing at this point. Why always <laughs> me? I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I, you've got to admit, that's the thing. You know, if, if Erickson had taken the ball off of Kane the other day in the Tottenham match, mm-hmm. no one would have thought twice about it. No. But no, <laughs> you know, it, it's Balotelli. If it had been Ricky Lambert taking the ball from Henderson, the people just, oh, well, he's, he's one of the best penalty takers in England. Okay, no problem. Where you've got Balotelli, who's one of the best penalty takers in the world. <laughs> but because, so truly, it is such a no-brainer decision, it's not funny. 
Well, because it's Balotelli, oh, we know we're going to sell an ass load of uh, magazines and newspapers because of this and get a shitload of hits on our website. Yep, it's it's so crazy how this thing is working. You know, and you know what I think of that, Ed? What? I'll crack what? open another Coors Light for that one. Is that number four on the night? This is number four on the night, actually. Oh, fantastic. Um, we're running a little low on time here. Not terribly low, but enough where we're just going to skip a little bit over this. Uh, again, Barcelona had a shocking loss uh, at home against Malaga this weekend. Uh, <laughs> you want to talk about player ratings being really low. You should go uh, to ESPN's site and see the player ratings from Barcelona-Malaga. There were some very bad player ratings. Uh, Danny Alves, I'm kind of looking at you. Um, so another <laughs> shocking one. And as we said, just real quick, uh, last week we talked about Barcelona getting right back into the race with Real Madrid after Real stumbled. Now it's back to a four-point race, so we'll see how the BBVA stacks up here. Well, the thing is in the uh, in in La Liga, when I mean it's, it's not like Malaga is a bad team, yeah. But whenever one of those three lose to anyone outside the top four or outside of their three, maybe to someone other than say Valencia. Then it's like, oh god, this is a shock. This is a shocking loss. I mean, Malaga is um, they're seventh in the table. Yeah. So I mean, this is basically is basically the exact same as if Liverpool go and beat Man City this weekend. Yeah, yeah, or just just about the same. If Liverpool beat City, would that be a complete shock if Liverpool beat City? No, not at this point. So that, there's a deal. A seven beat the two. So yeah, call it shock because it's fame. Yeah. Um, speaking of Spain, uh, and a country around there, Luis Figo, we talked about him, uh, looking to run for president of FIFA. He has come out with a couple different things that he would propose <laughs> to make his rule changes. Uh, the biggest one though, is he would like to increase the number of world cup teams to 40 or even 48. Jesus Christ. I, I, I don't, I, part of me. Would kind of like this because then we'd get Sweden in the tournament and we'd get Zlatan in the tournament. On the other hand, 32 is just such a good number. I don't want to mess with it. You're starting to get NCAA, NCAA basketball. Jim Beheim, just let everyone in. Just a little bit. I mean, I, I'm going to tell you, for Figo's candidacy, to me, this is his equivalent of Howard Dean going, <laughs> This is his equivalent of the Howard Dean scream uh, in what was that? Was that 2000 or 2004? Uh, uh, 2004 election, I believe. Yeah, that was that one. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, this is his equivalent of doing something completely crazy and off the wall. Um, I think it kills his actual potential of being the FIFA president. I don't know. I mean, some of the other stuff he says is really good. He's like spreading half of FIFA's 2.5 billion revenue over four years to associations to fund grassroots football. Um, He's thinking of improved, increased use of technology in the game. That's good. He seems very progressive, and I think progressive people like expansion, and I think that's where it's coming from. Um, he said Thursday that the current format could be increased to 40 teams, or FIFA could stage two 24-team competitions simultaneously on two continents. It's, it's, that, that's where it's getting crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the crazy is coming in. No, 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 no. This is completely one of those, if it's not broken, don't try to fix it things. Yes. There's nothing. The World Cup is, right now, it is the best tournament in sports. Yes. You people, you American basketball fans can have your NCAA tournament. Give me the World Cup. 
because it is the best tournament in sports. It is perfect the way it is. Don't fuck it up. I think the I think the NCAA tournament is the second one. And I but I, here's the thing. I'm, I think I think the 68 works for them because of how many teams there are. I mean, I was talking on our morning show today. And we went back to the, I think it was in the 70s, when State beat Maryland in that ACC thriller. And these are two of like the best five teams in the country. But because we only take automatic bids, Maryland can't go to the tournament. And they were like, um, we should probably change this rule. It happened to some good North Carolina teams. It happened to, yeah, it happened to some really good teams. It happened to good Pac-10 teams over the years. Because, you know, no one can beat UCLA. Um and that's the thing. You can expand to a point. I mean, they've expanded the World Cup to 32. I mean, it was not originally a 32-team World Cup. Uh, I, I don't believe it went till 32, God, maybe until the 1980s. I think you're about right. Um, so, yes, there can be expansion. But the problem is, you know, that's the thing. The NCAA has hit a really good number at 68. I don't mind adding the four. Hey, it gives you a few more games to watch. Um. But, you know, you get Jim Beheim talking crazy out of his ass. Well, I think it should be 96. I think it should be 120. No. 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 Yes, there is always going to be a few teams that have an argument for being left out. And that's just like the World Cup. Sweden, did you really miss anyone else? Uh, no. You off the top so. of your head, you're thinking that, you know, could have come in and really done something. Um, I would have, I would have liked to have seen Egypt in. I'm not saying they would have done anything. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen Egypt in. Okay. Well, now we're talking 34. Now find me six more at the minimum. Find me six more teams that were worthy of being in there. Oh, I can't do that. Exactly. And that's the thing, you know, once you, once you oversaturate the product, mm -hmm. you know, you're at that point, you're, you're running into problems. You're running into problems. So, uh, I say don't oversaturate it. I say, you know, keep it as is. I, I don't have a problem with it as it is. Me neither. Don't try to split it on the two continents. No. That, that's, that's dumb. Just chill out, Figo. I you like you. You have a great head of hair. Yes, yes, he does. Chill out, dude. Just chill, bro. Of course, uh, the World Cup uh, task force has also now recommended that the uh, Qatar World Cup in 2022 might be four days shorter. Um, their reasoning is with the stadiums they're going to build, everyone would only be about two hours away from their, their site. You don't need the travel days like you needed in Brazil. And yeah, well, that makes a little bit of sense. <clears throat> I, I, I feel like they're just... I, I'm also... I'm actually kind of hoping he'll be shorter because a shitload of teams are going to say, fuck this crap, <laughs> and just not go. That would be great. That would be hilarious. Uh, by the way, uh, this is actually uh, – we talked about it a little pre-pod. I don't know if how much it made it into the actual podcast. Uh, it looks like uh, Josh Hamilton has um, been uh, – had a relapse with cocaine. And, and we can just talk about that now because that was our last soccer story. So this right. wasn't on the docket, obviously, to talk about. We were going to go into college basketball. But, I mean, let's talk about it. Well, it and Hamilton is a guy to us. Yes, you know, I mean, yes, he's been the American League MVP. Obviously, people in the world know him. Josh Hamilton is very close to our situation because, you know, he's from Raleigh, which is yeah. 45 minutes away from where we were in Rocky Mount. Um when I was a junior in high school at Rocky Mount, we played Athens Drive, which starred a you know center fielder pitcher named Josh Hamilton. 
and we beat their ass. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I personally saw Josh Hamilton play in high school. Um, I saw him play some AAU games. You know, I saw a lot of Josh Hamilton growing up. The guy is maybe the most – God, he's probably the best natural baseball player I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, just things he could do without really trying were just insane. But I hate it for this guy, man, because he's got some demons. Yeah, it's, it's he's a got shame. Demons. And, you know, he was a, he's been a fantastic story coming back. You know, he, he found, you know, he found faith and, you know, his faith had been something that had been a rock for him. You know, uh, he got married, had children, and, and it seemed like his life was kind of back on a really good path for him. Mm-hmm. Signed a huge contract in Anaheim. And um, I'll tell you, man, being a professional athlete, if you've got demons and you've got addictions and things like that, being a professional athlete can really just take it into another level because you have the money and you have the access. I mean, the guy signed a five-year, $120 million contract, I believe, something, some of those parameters. Josh Hamilton can literally afford anything he wants. It's you just know? it to me. It's a lot like um, it's just like running for offense office. It's if you have anything in your closet, it's gonna get brought out, and that's and that's kind of a shame, you know. It's it's yeah. and it's unfortunately, although in this case Hamilton is kind of doing it to himself. He's he relapsed, and it. He's just had so much talent. He's had a lot of injuries since he went to Anaheim, and it just it just never has clicked. And it's just this is this is really depressing to see. I would not be shocked if we never saw Hamilton back on a baseball field. I, I hate it because I'm such a fan of his. I mean, let's say God. I mean, I, I remember I remember seeing him play in the uh, hot stove. Uh, you know, uh, spring break tournament at Greenville Rose mm-hmm. and seeing him and Ryan Gordon, who I still think is the best high school baseball player I ever saw, I, you know, seeing those two have just this epic duel, which ended up with Ryan Gordon turning on a 97 mile per hour fastball yeah. and positing it, you know, backside at Gasmith Stadium off the scoreboard in a lefty on lefty matchup. <laughs> oh, By the way, Josh Hamilton was 6'5, 220, Ryan Gordon was 5'8. 150. <laughs> it was just a stud. But, you know, I just, I remember so much about Hamilton, you know, number one pick in the draft, just so much promise. Uh, Rocky Mount, um, former Rocky Mount baseball head coach, Danny Weaver has a funny story in life where he, where he cut Josh Hamilton from his state games team. Yeah. <laughs> the, the reason being reason, main reason being because Hamilton was out with an injury and wasn't going to really be, Healthy by the time state game started, but he always laughs and tells that story. Yeah, I cut Josh Hamilton, no problem. <laughs> but um, so you know, for for me especially, it, it's somewhat personal, and, and that's what sucks. I mean, I met the guy a couple times; seemed like a really cool guy, and it just it, it sucks, man. It sucks so bad that something that this has happened. Yeah, I mean, he brought it on himself, um, and you know, he's got no one else to blame. But I just I just hate that has happened, man. I do too, and we'll have to see what kind of punishment he faces um, as we continue with it. Like I said, we're going to head into college basketball. Um, 
We could be 15 and are now 12 seconds away from an upset, Wes. Uh, Virginia Tech is currently tied with Duke, 77 all, 12 seconds to go. Uh, Not sure what just happened. I believe Duke just committed a foul. It's a non-shooting foul. So Virginia Tech's going to have to inbound here. 10.2 at this point. Duke, Duke at this point, you know, that win over Carolina last week, which, you know, I called during our podcast. Sorry, Ed. Um, that, that got them definitely back on a number one seed status. A loss tonight, and the Dukies could be uh, teetering on that number one seed. And I'm going to tell you, man, right now, the one thing you do not want to do is go into this tournament as a number two seed mm-hmm. and end up in the regional with Kentucky. Yeah, that's that's what everyone is looking to avoid right now. As we currently check out the bracket matrix, Duke is still a one, along with Kentucky, Virginia, Gonzaga. But Wisconsin and Villanova their average seed, according to the bracket matrix, is under two. Kansas also under a two, but that might change after losing to Kansas State. Arizona right at two. Any of those win out, and with a Duke loss, they could be on that two seed line. And if they don't win the ACC tournament, and if they unless it's a loss to Virginia that knocks them out, they could find themselves in Kentucky's regional. Uh, we know that the NCAA likes to, to keep teams close. Oh, loose. Duke with it? No way, they didn't call a foul. All right, let's look. For the second consecutive uh, Wednesday night as we record the podcast, Duke's heading overtime. Fantastic. Um, well, the question I was going to ask here, we have a lot of a lot of majors in the bracket matrix right now. And while you do have Gonzaga very good, Northern Iowa, Wichita State having amazing seasons, we don't have a lot of those Cinderella stories. Maybe we'll see Stephen F. Austin make a run. But right now, it's just a complete dearth of those mid-major teams trying to rise up. Uh, Old Dominion probably on the outside looking in. Does this make college basketball better, Wes? Or, or is it better when, when there's you know a lot of surprises and a lot of these sort of non-Power 6 teams coming up? Well, what you also have to remember is um, I just believe your bracket matrix obviously will start to fill out when championship week gets here. Obviously, and, and I mean that's where a lot of your Cinderellas come from are teams that win their way in via winning their conference tournament, um, and that's where you get those teams. So I wouldn't worry with it too much right now. It does seem like there aren't maybe quite as many, um, you know, getting in at large bids for the mid majors this year. Um, but I, I, I just I wouldn't I would take that with a grain of salt right now. Just because you know there's going to be some get in by winning that conference tournament. I think I think what it maybe is more is we had a lot of teams kind of early in the year from those non Power Six conferences that oh. were really exciting. A team like Harvard, who did really well in the tournament last year, they they're now going to absolutely have to win the Ivy, uh, which right now they're leading. But a team like Green Bay, Wisconsin Green Bay, who's who's really really good. But a few losses have knocked them out of contention where they're going to have to win their conference tournament as well. Yeah. You know, a team like Davidson, um, they are currently, if I bring it up here, i got to do a quick search in the Matrix. They're currently, according to the Matrix, one of the first four out. Um, Bob McKillop's side, you know, brought a Steph Curry about five or six years ago. And right now, but I mean, there, there, there are some very, 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 very strong mid-majors. Again, Wichita State, Northern Iowa. And Gonzaga, of course. So I think for all our mid-major people, that's going to kind of slake the thirst that they have for those teams to be in. 
I think so. And of course, it's been a big night already in basketball. Uh, UVA stomped all over Wake. Kentucky beat Mississippi State to stay undefeated. Richmond in the in the Richmond Derby uh, got a double overtime win over twenty second ranked VCU. Uh, that's one to keep your eye on is VCU. You know, they better hope they don't lose their way out of this tournament. Yeah, that's true. And uh, Northern Iowa taking, or, yeah, Northern Iowa taking care of business against Evansville. Baylor, a big road win against Iowa State. Iowa State might have been in that running if they won out to maybe get up to a two. But now with that loss to Baylor, Baylor's a good team, but that that dream of a two seed might be dead for them right now. Um, go ahead. I'll say we'll have to see. It, it, it's going to be interesting, you know, this time of the year in college basketball. If uh, if it's something you watch, you keep up with, you're having a good time right now. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, a team that, um, you know, a week ago we wouldn't have said this by any means, but a team that better figure out how to start winning some more basketball games is your University of North Carolina. 19-9 and nine right now. Yeah, they're fine. They're fine. I mean, but you, you just think about it now. Um Say if they if they lose the Duke and then lose an ACC tournament game, that's eleven losses minimum going in. Um, yeah, if they want to keep a if they want to keep a decent seed somewhere, they better find a way to start winning again. Yeah, I don't think they'll find themselves any worse than a six. God, they just really really bad last night against State, didn't they? Yeah, I actually didn't watch. I watched uh, I watched uh, the series finale, the season finale of Agent Carter, and the series finale of Parks and Rec. Oh, okay. and I cried. And it was amazing. Uh, we'll talk about that and watch four. Um, right now, let's hit the zeitgeist. Uh, another sad uh, soccer-related story. Uh, Wes, we mentioned a couple weeks ago it happened in Egypt, and now it's happened in Greek. Or sorry, in Greece. Uh, Greece's top soccer league has been suspended for the third time this season. This time indefinitely because of continued violence at matches. Uh, this is coming out of the AP. Stavros Kontanis, the deputy minister for sport in Greece's new government, said Wednesday that the decision would be reviewed next week but games would be called off if clubs failed to respond to government demands for improved security. Uh, I believe some of them had called for um, security cameras as well as a smart card um, ways to get into the actual stadium. Um, this time, the action followed weekend violence at a league match between rivals Olympiakos and Panathiakos and a brawl between officials of the two clubs on Tuesday at a board meeting of league organizers. So this isn't even at the matches as well. This is between head officials at board meetings, Wes. You know, Greece is in a lot of turmoil. They are going head-to-head against the EU right now, uh, just in their econ- econ- economic situation. I It's tough to compare it to Egypt, but in a lot of ways it seems pretty similar. I just wanted to hear you say Panathinaikos. Panathinaikos? Panathinaikos. Greek oikos yogurt? John Stamos. Everything's all the same. Um, I'll tell you, man, it's a bad situation. And it's something that here in the United States, it's hard for us to fathom. Yes. Because, you know, even though our economy is not where it's been right now, we're... Well, I don't know. Some people would tell you where are. We're not on any sort of a verge of a complete financial collapse. No, and in fact, I actually, I, I unfortunately had to go see two economics presentations this week, and uh, oh. apparently, we're actually, we are actually, for the most part, especially if not in our specific region, at least our state and nationally, we have actually recovered and increased over where we were pre Great Recession in two thousand. That started in two thousand eight, I think. So anyway. And according to Clint Williams, as long as we don't build the uh, 
<laughs> as long as we don't build the center in Rocky Mountain, we'll be fine, right? Please don't talk to me about the event center. I don't. <laughs> I'm not going. So I don't. I don't. I don't give a shit. I don't live in Rocky Mountain, so I don't give a shit. It's not my money. I, I don't either. Even though I live in Rocky Mountain. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, it's it's tough in places like Greece and Egypt right now because you've got people who are already angry about living conditions and their future and their family's future. They're already angry. They're already scared about that. And then, you know, you just, you get something that can be a boiling point like sport. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I mean, it it would be the same as if, you know, Duke Carolina from the other night, if everything was going bad for all those big wigs and all of a sudden that was the, that was the straw that broke the camel's back, you know? Right. And that's kind of what you're seeing right now. A you know, sport, especially like football in Europe, that drives so many emotions, you know, that d- just stirs up so many emotions and so many feelings. And when you've got just all this bad shit happening to you just as a culture, and then this is kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back. Um, it, it's... It's going to be very tough on those people to lose what maybe is like their one sense of an escape, mm-hmm. which is going to the match and for two hours forgetting that, you know, our country's almost in shambles. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, when you go to the match, now you take that away from them. Oh, shit, man. You're just, damn, that hurts. And here's the other question How is this going to potentially affect Olympiacos as they move forward in Europa? Well, I mean, uh, according according to what we've heard, I mean, this is just maybe more geared toward the the Greek league. I believe mm-hmm. it's called the Super League in Greece, something like that. I think you're right. Um, I think this is more geared just toward that. So I can't really see where they could turn around and say, oh, and you're not playing in Europa either. Mm-hmm. Because I don't really see that the Greek League has any, um, I don't see where they have any sway over Europa or any real say in it. Right. Um, so, but you know I mean? It's got to be a big distraction. Obviously, obviously it's a major distraction for them. Of course. Um, before we hit our last Zeitgeist story, uh, we want to remind you guys, this podcast is being brought to you by NGSC Sports at NGSCSports.com. You can check out all of their other great uh, radio and podcasts. Uh, and again, at NGSC Sports, their motto is, we never stop. Uh, Wes, I want to quickly go through this story. There's another story we're going to save for next week. But we don't have a lot of information on this one. But just like the Josh Hamilton story, I think we need to go ahead and at least mention it. Uh, this one came across my Twitter feed earlier this afternoon. A Baylor University football player has been... Uh, pushed off the team because of potential NCAA violations. Now, the violations in this case are him taking a place to live because he's homeless. The player in question is Silas Nasita. Uh, Again, he plays for Baylor, and uh, he is a walk-on, so he doesn't have a scholarship. But he's on the team, and he was was really well-liked, and all of a sudden, it was just announced that because he accepted a place to live, because he did not have the means to do it on his own, he's being forced out by the NCAA. Now, the NCAA has come forward and said 
they didn't actually rule him ineligible, uh-huh. um, which is interesting. Also interesting is that uh, on their Twitter feed earlier today, just today, uh, they put an article up saying Iowa State forward Daniel Edizoe has come a long way since growing up homeless. So the juxtaposition, <laughs> the juxtaposition there not lost on a lot of people. But this is a kind of crazy story. Uh, it seems like maybe it's a part where the NCAA informed Baylor of potential violations and Baylor went ahead and and put him off the team before they tried to clear him up. It seems like the NCAA has come out and said, you know, if you can get these issues resolved, we won't find you totally ineligible. But surely, surely calmer heads have to prevail here. And again, we don't have a ton of information on this story yet. It just happened earlier today. But Wes... It seems weird to keep beating the dead horse that is the NCAA, but they keep finding a way to top themselves. Yeah, I mean, you know, those guys, uh, you know, they, they will eventually be robbing old ladies of their social security checks. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the path they're going down. Um, truly, I think this is more that, this is something I believe we almost need to just sit back and wait and see what actually happens here. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the NCAA has no problem saying, yeah, we ruled him ineligible. What the hell are you going to do about it? And they have not come out and said that they ruled him ineligible. Yep. So, you know, somebody might have jumped the gun. He might have received a, you know, a statement saying, you know, right now it looks like we're going to rule you ineligible, but we haven't. So, you know, he may have jumped the gun. Somebody may have jumped the gun on this. Um, so let's take it at this moment. I mean, we got to take it with a grain of salt. Um and just see where it goes. Of course, we're sports pundits, so obviously, die NCAA, kill, 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 burn, 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 you're horrible people, you are the Wicked Witch of the West, and you've never done anything nice for anyone. That's a pretty great hot take right there, Wes. Hot take. Hot takes. Um, you, sh- you should cool that off with a nice cold Coors Light. And, Coor- and Coors Light, if you'd like to sponsor this podcast, you're more than welcome to. God, just please send me beer and a check. That'd be awesome. Yes, yes, and more importantly, a check, please. I'll take the beer. You can give over the money. There you go. Thank I, owe, you. I, I probably owe the money anyway. So. Uh, I think it's still like 40 bucks or something. Anyway, um, Wes. Keep it tab, Larry. Cool. Yeah, yeah, actually, I am. Um, which which you know, so don't, don't act all offended. You know this. Damn it. I was hoping statute of limitations had run out. So. <laughs> There's no such thing as that. You never run out when you go to um, all right, Wes, let's hit watch four. Uh, what are you watching in the week that was and the week that will be? Ed, one thing, one thing only, recently released on Blu-ray mm, and DVD everywhere by the WWE. Not Rosewater. The Destruction of the Shield. A two-disc set, Ed. The first time ever the Destruction of the Shield highlights Dean Ambrose. Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins as they join forces and then, Ed, they no longer joined forces. <laughs> Very dramatic. Dun, 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 dun. Uh, I have yet to bust it open. I, I actually got a WWE two-pack. I've received the uh, uh, WWE Greatest Factions DVD, which I'm just finishing up. It's about eight hours worth of uh, good stuff in there. Good stuff, man. A lot of Four Horsemen. You know, uh, a lot of Arn Anderson on there, which you can't ever beat Arn Anderson. Um, but that has been my go-to this week when I've had the time, and I'm just waiting tomorrow with that snow day we're going to have. 
for destruction of the shield. Fantastic. Um, I actually, this is a, a interesting week. It's sort of a end of season week. Um, a lot of the winter shows that come on had their seasons end this week. Uh, on Monday, we had the f- season finale of Broadchurch. <sighs> that was that was pretty great. Uh, I've talked about my love of Broadchurch, starring David Tennant and Olivia Coleman. Uh, it's a oh, show over in England. Uh, it was where I expected it to go this year. Didn't really happen. Um, but I really, really loved it. Great performances all around. A very emotional, hard-hitting uh, season finale. Uh, and if you're a fan of, uh, of, uh, of, of those kind of shows, the drama, the murder mystery, it was very, very good yet again this year. Um, also ending last night, uh, the season finale of Agent Carter, pretty good season, good bridge between season two parts of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm excited for that to come back, but it was, it was good enough. If you haven't, if you want to watch it and you have like six hours to kill, I'm sure it'll be on Netflix pretty soon. Uh, just burn through it. Uh, if you enjoyed Haley Atwell's character from the Captain America movies, you will like this. It's it's good. It's not great, but uh, it's good. And if you like strong female roles, this was really good. And finally, the show that made me shed two or three tears last night, uh, Parks and Rec, uh, had its season f- series finale actually last night. And I don't know how many you, you know you talked about Wes. Um, Back in the the 2014 when we were doing this, uh, we we saw you go through this last season of uh, Sons of Anarchy, <gasps> and we we heard you talk about that season uh, in series finale, okay. uh, which by the way might not have been the finale. There's been talk of making a movie or something <laughs> with Brad Pitt. Well, there's a prequel or something. I don't know what the hell they're gonna do. It's really weird. Um, this Parks and Rec finale was perfect. It was, I have seen a lot of finales fall flat on their face. This one was pitch perfect from the jump to the final gun. It was amazingly well done. It just is perfect. It, it was, it, I, there's literally nothing else to say. Just go watch it. It's perfect. And that's, that's really all I have to say about that. If you haven't caught up on Parks and Rec, uh, seasons one through six are on Netflix. Season seven is on Hulu. Uh, so you can do like I did, watch the entire show in a month, and then watch the series finale live. It was very amazing. Uh, Ken Tremendous, one of the great Twitter users out there. Well done, sir. You you wrote an amazing finale. Congratulations. Um, Wes, that has a speeding into the fast lane that is so raw. So catch us up on what happened at WWE's latest pay-per-view. The fast lane. Vroom. First of all, uh, I'm, uh, you know, you always have a little bit of bad, a little bit of good. I'm gonna start with the bad, you know, so now I can bring this back up. Memphis, Tennessee. I'm calling you out because that crowd was uh, deader than a morgue on a Friday night. Um, just you know, one thing that makes a wrestling show great, Ed is the, the energy and the pop that the crowd makes. Because, hey, that's why the guys are there. That's what they're working for. Mm-hmm. They want the pop. They want you to be into it. They want you to have fun. Because, hey, if you're having fun, that means you'll come back next time and you'll buy a T-shirt and you'll you'll do, you know, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for energy. Memphis, Tennessee, you guys look like everyone had gone to rendezvous and eaten an extra rack of ribs and you were all sitting on your hands. So tisk tisk on you. Everyone uh, from Nashville, Tennessee, who listens to this show. Tisk on you. Uh, now for the good. Um, 
an opening match, which really pissed me off because how dare you put Seth Rollins in the first match of the night, mm. ended well with the return of the Viper Randy Orton. Ooh. Randy Orton was last seen being curb stopped by Seth Rollins on uh, the steel steps. That was about four months ago. So uh, Randy Orton making his return. Uh, Seth Rollins took off running and did not stop until he reached Nashville, apparently, where Raw was on Monday night. Um, solid matches in there leading up to it. And then uh, the main event that night, the number one contenders match, Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan. And, buddy, I'm going to tell you, those two put on a hell of a show. There, were, there, were, there have been a lot of doubters as to whether or not Roman Reigns could hold his end in a top level match, a real main event match, because that's one thing in a pay-per-view Roman Reigns has never done. He's never been the main event guy, especially well, at least by himself. Mm-hmm. You know, he's never had to carry a show before. And he, he had a great showing Daniel Bryan, who is just immaculate in the ring. Um, he definitely led the match, but those two put on a great show. It ended with our uh, Reigns. Uh, spearing Daniel Bryan, pinning him, and uh, retaining his number one contendership for WrestleMania on Raw Monday night. A decent Raw, not a great Raw, but um, what this was is this was the open to the road to the, you know, we are now definitely in the fast lane for the road to WrestleMania. Uh, We're five weeks away from WrestleMania. March 29th, I believe, is WrestleMania this year. Let me. No, it's, it's the last that, weekend in March. That's that. a, that's the last Sunday in March. Yes. Okay. Last last Sunday in March, March 29th, will be WrestleMania from Santa Clara, California, uh, Levi's Stadium. You know, because uh, nothing is more beautiful in March than uh, Northern California outside. <laughs> yeah. Can't Fun times. Yeah, great times. Great place to do it outside. Um, but it's going to be a big one. You will get at this point Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, which is uh, going to be really interesting as Reigns. I said Reigns looked really good the other night. Um, it looks as if we're going to build to a Seth Rollins, Randy Orton um, WrestleMania match, which would be awesome. But at this point, Randy Orton has kind of rejoined the authority, and I believe we all spent Monday night holding our breaths, waiting for Randy Orton to drop a hashtag RKO out of nowhere. Uh, on to Seth Rollins, and he never did. Had the chance at the end of the night, kind of patted Seth on the shoulder and just walked out of the ring and walked to the back. So I'm enjoying that little, uh, you know, I'm enjoying that little uh, chess match right now to see what's going to happen there. Um, Also on the line, John Cena and Rusev. I look like they're going to have a, well, we think they're going to have a return match at WrestleMania, but the other night Rusev told John Cena that he was not worthy of a rematch. Well, it's going to happen anyway, but who really cares? Um, and also, the other one the other one in there uh, that we haven't talked about much at all on here is uh, the Bray Wyatt uh, has been calling out The Undertaker for the last two, three weeks. Undertaker, of course, one of the all-time biggest stars in WWE history. At this point, he has kind of been... Uh, He's in what you would call sort of a semi-retirement where, at this point, he only wrestles one match a year, which is WrestleMania. Uh, a year ago, lost to Brock Lesnar, the first his first ever loss at WrestleMania. Um, broke his string of being 21-0 at WrestleMania. So now 21-1, but uh, Bray Wyatt has been calling him out lately. It looks like we're going to get that match, which will be kind of the two uh, Dark Prince's of the WWE going head-to-head. I'm excited about it. 
if not even for the match, if just for the promos leading up to the match, they should be fantastic. Looks like Duke's going to get out of here with a win tonight. Um, just just looking forward to the next, uh, I believe we've got four Raws coming up until WrestleMania, and I'm looking forward to every one of them. Oh, it's it's going to be fantastic. It'll be a great way to end March on a high note. Hopefully, if the writers learn from what happened with Roman Reigns in the last one, maybe. Well, let's just put it this way. This one ended with people cheering for him. Oh, that's good. That's good. Already a big improvement over the Royal Rumble. That is that is definitely progress. Yeah. Um, and we made some progress here today on episode 43 of the all-new Sports Show, the podcast. Um, please stay around. Uh, next week, we'll be bringing you, of course, another episode, as we're just now uh, seven episodes away from 50. <gasps> it's going to be... Good times. Um, we'll have plenty more coming next week. We'll have much more soccer to dissect. The Europa match is going on tomorrow. Uh, we'll have Premier League from the weekend. We'll have a Capital One Cup final, which I will be, of course, in Raleigh with the NC Spurs if I can drive there, which I'm hoping by Sunday I can. Um, and uh, we'll be. Well, able- maybe we'll get a damn basketball game in before then. Well, I have a contingency plan in place, so we're good if we don't. Good to hear. Okay. Um, but more than that, uh, we also have a lot of college basketball. Uh, by the end of next week, some conferences will have finished their league play. Uh, so we'll be looking into conference tournaments very shortly. Um, actually, by the end of this week, conferences will have ended some of their regular seasons. Uh, so we'll be in the throes of conference tournament action. Uh, we'll have that story from Australia that we didn't talk about uh, because, hey. Please, because I'm jetting about that. That looked awesome. Oh, it, and by the way, speaking of that. Did you see the uh, the Power Rangers video that's been making the rounds on the internet? No. With James Vanderbeek? No. It's pretty great. It's okay. it's pretty great, actually. Yeah. Um. Uh. So go check that out, please. Actually, go do check out that Power Rangers video. It's pretty amazing. Um. Other than that, though, uh, we'll have plenty more to talk about. Plenty more from the Zeitgeist. We'll have another raw to get through, and of course, tell you about what we've been watching. Um, though, I think that's going to do it for episode 43, though. Uh, Wes, anything to add? Um, this time of the year with the, uh, snowpocalypse going on, please, folks, make sure you bring your pets inside. Uh, good Colonel Meatball the Cat staying inside with me tonight. Oh, so. that's adorable. <sighs> Meatball, he's a, he's a mouse murdering feline who, uh, I love almost as much as my own children. Maybe sometimes more. Oh, he doesn't talk back quite as much. All he wants to do is eat. There you go. That's the best kind of kid. He's a chubby kitty kitty. <laughs> For producer Desmond Menace, that was somehow Wes Bradshaw. I am Edward Green. Thank you so much for joining us. I uh, want to thank again NGSC Sports for hosting our pod and NGSCSports.com. Thanks also to Podbean for having our files. Thank you to the iTunes Music Store, Stitcher Radio, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, wherever you can find us. Please check us out. On Twitter, we're at All New Sports Show. Wes, you are? At Wes Bradshaw 21. I am at Edward Green. Check us out also on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Email us, mail us. Links are in the podcast description. I am Edward Green. Check us out next week for episode 44 of the only sports show for the podcast. This has been, though, episode 43. Have an amazing weekend, everybody. And go Tottenham. Let's turn that arch white at Wembley. I mean blue. I am caffeinated. Good night, Monaco. You've, you've earned it. 
You've earned a good night, Monica, but you can't gamble at your casinos. Sucks. Did you know that? No. If you're a citizen of Monaco, you cannot gamble at a Monaco casino. Oh, awesome. Please save me the last